Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Miss Okwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I'm really happy. Why? Because football's not back yet. So I can still, I'm still in this fantasy state where good things are going to happen to my football team. Obviously you've gone through the looking glass. <laughs> But I'm really happy still. I'm still like on, I'm kind of like on school holidays still. Uh, we have to start with it, don't we? What, the Premier League? Yeah. We have to start specifically with Arsenal nil, Manchester City 3. Or Manchester City 3, Arsenal nil, more accurately. Hey, it was only 1-0 when David Luiz wasn't on the pitch. That's true. So, that's Yeah, that's true. And I'm not trying to be harsh on Arsenal. Not a bad result, really. I'm not trying to be harsh on Arsenal. I actually think that um, one thing I like about Arteta, there's a bravery in the formation and the selection. You know, it was an unusual lineup when I saw it, but I was like, no, I rate it. He's trying his own style. And, you know, you're right. Louise, they talk about individual errors, but it was that, wasn't it, really? I mean, it was Louise. He, he was that decisive and he, he didn't start either. So to be fair to Arsenal, he didn't start. He wasn't part of the initial plan. <laughs> Arguably, as he I like ever- the way you're searching for these little positives, man. This, this is great. Keep going. I have to, because I don't want to be a hater. And, you know, City as the first game back is brutal for anyone. Let's be real. It's brutal for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, did anything go any differently than how you expected it to? Honestly. Instead of answering directly, I refer to, I prefer to quote Andrew Weber, a friend of mine who is a big fan of this podcast. And he sent me a quote so good that I have to use. I asked his permission. He said, I quote Andrew, shout out. Jesus, that Arsenal game was like a time warp where the last three months never happened. Yeah. Well, I, I posted a tweet just saying it's like, it, it's like it never went away. <laughs> It's like it never went away. <laughs> it was really great to see in the middle of a pandemic, political crisis across the world, a huge, huge, huge Black Lives Matter movement and in the time of police brutality and all of this really dark shit that's going on. Straight away, Meza Ozil was dominating the conversation again. Whilst not even being on the pitch, I was like, here we go. Arsenal. And we, and we, no, 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 Musa, how naive are you, right? We're two gentlemen, one in his 40s, one in his 30s, and we thought, maybe the pandemic might change football a little bit. Maybe everything that's going on might change the discourse around it. And within less than a day of the Premier League returning, same as it ever was. We thought it would be a brave new world. So many theorists. But the joke's on us, man. The joke is 100% on us because what were we thinking? It's our fault. What were we thinking? Honestly. Can I be honest with you? We are the catfish. We're the catfish. We know absolutely nothing. We know nothing about football. Absolutely nothing. Like we even did a podcast episode on it once called We Know Nothing, right? We know nothing. We know nothing about football. Like, what are we doing? Oh, maybe football will learn from the pandemic. No, it won't. What the hell? Like, no way. Oh, I like to think, I like to think there's someone in the Arsenal camp who listens to Stadio. And when we're going, oh, it's all going to change. It'll be really good. He's like, oh, just wait till you get a load just of just me. Wait. Five subs. No problem. No problem. Get them done before half time. I mean, this is it. It was everything was very, very Arsenal. <laughs> I just there was so much hope there were <laughs> no was there though 
there was hope for the game as a whole, not the, this specific fixture, but I mean, football as a whole. But You've got to remember there, there's a generation of young Arsenal fans for whom two months is a very long time without football. Three months. Yeah, and who, they're coming of age. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're getting to know their team for the first time. And their parents are like, oh, do you know what? This time, you know, they won't. Oh. But dad, mum, dad, are you sure? Yeah, are you but, sure? The thing, <laughs> but the thing is, it was like, you know, when you're younger and the football season stops and it feels like an eternity. Yeah. This was longer than any break. Right, yeah. At least you get some new kits or a few new shiny signings yeah. to soften the inevitable blow that is coming. It's like, hey, look at this over here. And then someone doinks you on the nose. I'm going to have it again in two months when there's an actual pre-season. Twice in a year, Musa. Twice. It's too much. To quote Pep Guardiola, twice. 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 God, that seems like about 20 years ago that happened. Do you remember? It's wild, that. Let's focus on the game because yeah, let's focus you know, on the game. There so, was a game that happened. There was a game that happened, and I want to talk about a couple of things. So one is um, David Silva. I know there's a lot of praise of Kevin De Bruyne, but David Silva. First of all, so City play this midfield where they don't have a tough tackler, so they, that was their intent for the start. We're going to keep possession throughout. So they, you know, Bernardo Silva's a fairly tough tackler. He wasn't even there. So you've got De Bruyne, Gundogan, and David Silva. If we just look back in time at 1998, right? Mm. 1998 Premier League, it would have been unthinkable to have a midfield three like that. That's like a huge evolution just, you know, in terms of like the way the game has gone in a good way, I think. Mm -hmm. David Silva's ability to play on the front foot with the first touch at that speed is just astonishing. I mean, the guy's in what, mid thirties now and could still, I mean, I mean, he is starting for City. I mean, it's just, that guy could start for an elite team for the next three years. It's just unbelievable what he does. And watching how he finds space time and again, time and again. You know, like how you know, like when you go to the beach, right? And sand gets in your clothes, and like six months later, there is still sand, like in little mm. pockets. He's like that. He just gets everywhere. He just he, gets everywhere. He's a little bit more pleasurable than that though. I mean, I, I mean it depends. I mean, he, he was against you last night. That wasn't pleasurable. Yeah. Well, yeah, as a neutral. I mean, to be fair, though, as well, he was pretty much man-marked by Joe Willock all game, and he still managed to affect the game to that degree. Right, yeah. They always say with um, great players, actually in basketball, like, you know, Kevin Durant, you never, you can never stop him, you can contain him. Yeah. And I think it's the same for David Silva. You can't, you can't stop Silva. You can contain him, I think. Does that make sense? Do you think he's in the dressing room when they're doing the pre-match stuff and Pep's like, they're probably going to put someone on you, and he just goes, I'm David Silva. Yeah, I'm David Silver. You know who I am. You know who I am. You know who I am. You know, I am. You know what this is. I'm David Silver. <laughs> that is. But there was there was there was a story actually about um, how players like Iniesta actually invited pressure. Yeah. No, no, no. You play in English football. It's like man on, man on. Everyone screams. And Iniesta's like, I want a man on. Yeah. Like I want a couple because then I can like really wreck things. Bring it. <laughs> yes. It's the idea of like Iniesta just kind of giggling as people start approaching, going. Ha, you fools, you're already dead. Like, it's that, it's that yeah. whole energy. And another one. <laughs> also, one other thing before I forget, on a topical thing, on a political note, how fitting in this sort of brave new world of Black Lives Matter back of players' shirts, instead of names, that Raheem Sterling scores the first goal of the return. Yeah. That was really interesting, wasn't it, in terms of a poignant moment? It's a really good finish as well. It was. I mean, let's, let's, let's talk about the game a little bit, because I think... Yeah, sure. I think, I think I don't want to talk about it too much, but let's do it a little bit because I think yeah, that these sure. first run of games are going to be really hard to call because everyone's coming back at varying levels of fitness. You saw how easy it was to pick up injuries. Granit Xhaka went off super early with what looks like quite a nasty yeah. ankle sprain. Yeah. 
Pablo Mari then did what looked like an Achilles, which Yikes. doesn't look good. And I think those kind of injuries are going to happen quite frequently. And the first, well, to be honest, the, the entire, apart from Liverpool winning the league, the entire rest of the season might just be a complete free-for-all because I think you're going to see heavily rotated squads every week. There were a few surprises with the Arsenal lineup, but also they kind of weren't surprises in a way because we haven't been privy to who's progressing at certain levels of fitness and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. I thought the City lineup was quite surprising as well. Yeah, yeah. But first 20 minutes, half an hour, I kind of thought Arsenal did okay. I thought they so, were yeah. okay. They were kind of in the game. They were playing some quite progressive stuff. But you just saw over the course of the game just a massive gap in quality. Yeah. And when Arsenal were bringing on Reese Nelson, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Alex Lacazette, Manchester City were bringing on Phil Foden, Sergio Aguero at the end all of these kind of players. And yeah. that's kind of where Arsenal are at the moment. I think that the result in a way is kind of irrelevant because, I mean, it's not irrelevant, but it is in a way because... It's part of the course. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, could have been one nil, been yeah. a fair result. Yeah. could have been three or four, could have been a fair result. I thought Bert Leno was Arsenal's best player by a mile. Mm. And he made some unbelievable saves in that yeah. first and second half. Yeah, We mentioned it on, when we were on the Arsecast, it might be more beneficial for Arsenal in a long-term sense not to have European football next season. If it's a choice of the Europa League or nothing, I would personally, and I know that a lot of people just want to be in in Europe and a lot of people will rightly so use the kind of financial implications of that. However, I don't have any in-the-know knowledge or anything like that, but I just feel there will be a bit of a clear, not a clear out because that sounds super dramatic and tabloidy, but I think that Arsenal will free up a lot of the wage bill and I think just a full season without European distraction to really focus on this, because there is a really good young crop of players there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There aren't many teams throughout Europe that have that many golden boy nominees in the same squad. Yeah. And you have Saliba coming in as well from Saint-Étienne soon. Maybe it would be, just be really beneficial for Arteta to, to re- actually really coach these players and have time on the training ground. Mm. I referenced it on, on the Arscast, but that was, I think, I, I think, I think Carlo Ancelotti said in a book that I cannot remember which book it was but he said that you know when you're playing in Europe as a coach you literally get hours a week on yeah. the training ground yeah, yeah, with your squads yeah. and that's cool if you're Bayern Munich or you have multiple World Cup winners or uh, league winners in, in, the, in the squad but if you're Arsenal there aren't a lot of people who have won stuff there mm. and therefore I think just having a solid season to coach that group really well might be beneficial so yes it's super disappointing no one wants to lose a football match but I think the worst thing about it is that that's 3,000 less trees that Hector Bellerin's going to get to plant <laughs> yeah that's true so David Luiz has got 3,000 trees on his head he does he does he'll have a few more and he'll have a lot of apologies to make as well this morning uh, one yeah. thing I want to mention as well before I forget was noticing how high up field Kyle Walker in particular was pushing and how fullbacks really push into the final third. I think a lot about, you know, because football's not a static game in terms of its fitness levels. The levels of fitness that football requires increasingly, the importance of fullbacks, but also the, the demands. And I'm looking at the five subs and thinking, how hard are people lobbying for five subs as a permanent thing? Mm. Because if you've basically got fullbacks who are behaving like wingers, you can't sustain that for an entire season mm. or an entire, an entire game. But are we going to end up with kind of impact subs a bit like hockey or basketball where you've got like a specialist fullback who just comes on and just absolutely ravages defenders late on. Or like, you know, look at Atleti, for example, and the way Atleti used subs against Liverpool. 
Does that make sense? Like Aleti, yeah. really interesting the way they knocked out. Aleti almost played three games against Liverpool. The first leg, the wonder. Second leg, a bit more progressive. And then the, in the kind of final stages, the counter-attack and extra time just opened up. And I'm just wondering about game management and how, what impact that will have on coaching in a world where we have more subs. Because actually, if you look at football, when it started out, you had a couple of subs, but it was not this intensity. So it might make sense, you know, I wonder what fitness coaches are saying or what doctors are saying in terms of muscle recovery and going, look, actually, the Premier League is so intense right now that because of muscle fatigue, actually five subs is really good for player health. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if that's how they're going to argue it. I, don't I mean, I, I see the arguments for and against. I'm personally quite a, quite a fan of the five subs. Five subs with three three chances to make them. You don't waste any more time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't hate it. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I think it, it will develop tactics. Maybe we can talk about this another time because I think it's quite a long yeah, conversation. Let's, let's, let's something to, we could go down. Another time, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, in short, I'm actually quite into it. I'm, I'm more into it than I thought I would be initially when I saw it as a concept. But yeah, yeah I think for now, it's going to stay. I, I imagine it will probably stay throughout next season. A couple of things quickly before we move on from this game. Yeah. Eric Garcia was taken to hospital after a nasty, <sighs> nasty clash yeah, with Edison. That looked bad. Uh, apparently he's okay. He's staying in hospital for a little bit to have more tests. But that looked really bad. When the medics from both sides come straight on the pitch, you know something's really bad. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. He was having a good game too. But yeah, no, just a good game actually from, from City. Um, some really great inventive play. Sterling looked sharp. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, quality won out. Absolutely. Ultimately. Wasn't a fan of the fan noise stuff at all. Yeah, Wasn't it- really a fan of a lot of that. Again, there's a really good piece that you've written for The Ringer about crowd noises and the kind of artificial nature of what's going on at the moment which I would thoroughly recommend everyone going to read Moose's first piece for the ringer yeah I know I was a bit it was you're always nervous when you work with you know any new sort of organization but they were kind of like <laughs> I put in a couple of references and I was like are they going to accept this pop culture reference to this obscure tv series nightmare and then it was so funny <laughs> nightmare twitter account wrote to me and said oh thanks for the name check <laughs> They wrote to me. I watched this thing growing up and they were like, oh, thank you so much. And I was like, wow. I was quite emotional. So I really. I might not- start doing that with some of my favourite old TV shows when I was a kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the fan noise stuff was weird. It was, you know, like Garcia had, got artificially clapped off. It was a bit That weird. is so dystopian. It was a really good atmosphere though. It was. It was. It was very loud. They yeah. the Arsenal fans a lot. I don't know whether there was an Arsenal fan in control of the, on, the, on the boards. There probably was. I mean, knowing how yeah. good Arsenal fans are on social media, I'm sure there was. Yeah, probably infiltrated it somehow. Yeah, exactly. One thing I want to mention before we move on from this game, finally. A Premier League manager, a white Premier League manager, talking about 400 years of black oppression in a post-game interview in a second language. A first, I imagine. That's huge. That felt huge at the moment. It felt huge, like... Yeah. Because he didn't, he didn't get the the, the question from Jess Freeze was just about the taking a knee. Yeah. So Pep took it there. Yeah, he went all the way in, and knowing that people would then have questions later, and knowing that would set the tone, he knew that he's not stupid. He knows that that will invite further questions. Look, this was unavoidably positive. I think people talk about symbolism in sport, but the symbolism of this is absolutely huge. Like I don't. I wrote a piece about this for the Washington Post, actually, about how significant... Oh, yeah, another I, thing you need to plug. Yeah, I just in terms of how significant this actually is. And also, can I just say, while I'm here on this podcast, like, I'm, I'm actually angry about one thing in particular, this arrogance that Black Lives Matter is just a kind of American thing and we're leaping on a bandwagon. I wrote a short thread about this. I just want to say this again in the podcast. 
I wrote a short Twitter thread on this, but I'll say it again on the podcast. I'm really angry about this because, I know I don't sound that angry, but I'm really angry. This arrogance of, oh, well, it's just an American thing. Police mm. brutality. No, like Christopher Alder suffocated by police in the UK. Mm. Sheku Bayo was, you know, was uh, killed by police in Scotland. Mm. Um, Dalian Atkinson was killed yeah, with a taser in 2016. Yeah. Like a black footballer was killed by police using yeah. allegedly excessive force. And then you've got Yarl's Wood, institutional racism for black people, where women, black women, women of colour being sexually assaulted in immigration centres. It's not just about violence and brutality. Yeah. It absolutely is, but it's about everything. Exactly. And I just get a bit annoyed, Ram. And this is all I'll say. This is the last bit I'll say before we move on, because we've talked about this stuff plenty enough. The last thing I'll say on this is, I just cannot stand the arrogance of people going, oh, that's some hipster thing. That's like virtue signaling. That's ridiculous. It's offensive. No, it's a global human thing. Exactly. It's really offensive. It's like, as re- yeah. Do you know what? And it's as real as climate change. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's the a- dots ain't far apart, so why can't you join them? I just don't understand. Amen. Oh my God, what a name. The dots ain't far apart. <laughs> Sounds like a wire episode. It does, it does. All the details. Okay. Uh, let's move on to move quickly on. Villa against Sheffield United. And there wasn't a lot to discuss about this game apart from a goal that wasn't given because it had a one in a 9,000 chance of being the only place that Hawkeye couldn't spot that it had gone over the line. Amazing. Oh, well. Do you know what? I was, <laughs> I tweeted the Premier League's back then because Bundesliga's been back. La Liga returned. Yeah. Copa Italia. Wow. Yeah. That's good to talk about that. Everything returned. Frown Bundesliga, which doesn't have VAR admittedly, but yeah. still. But Premier League comes back and within the first game, here we are. Here we are again. <laughs> the greatest league in the world. <laughs> TM. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know really what to say about that because it was so wild. Um, and it was pretty much the only real moment kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. moving on. Where should we go next? Yeah, go to a break. Yeah, why not? All right, we're back from the break. And um, before we move on to the rest of the football, I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone who got in touch about the Ringer stuff. Yeah. Don't forget, Monday will be the first episode on the Ringer FC feed. We'll be dual posting for a couple or a few weeks before moving exclusively over to the Ringer FC feed, which will then become Spotify only. Um, You can listen to it on a free Spotify account. You don't have to pay any money. We'll still be twice a week, potentially more. And Monday, the first episode on Ring FC. We'll stick a link to the Ring FC feed in the description to this episode. Yeah. So you can just go and subscribe ready for Monday. But yeah, thanks to everyone who reached out about it. It was really nice. Yeah, it was absolutely and, awesome. um, lovely. means that we can actually carry on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> you have helped us. Oh, You've all helped us to grow the podcast. All of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to get that in today for the last do you know time. What we can do? Do you know what we can do? It's like, you know what? All of you listening, Please keep spreading the word about Stadio because it really helps to grow the podcast. <laughs> there he is. There we go. I found a new one. I found a new one. I twisted it up. All right, let's go to Germany let's or come it. to Germany. Indeed. Where both Bundesligas were decided 
on Wednesday, well, Tuesday in the men's, Wednesday in the women's. Bayern won the Bundesliga on Tuesday night after beating Bremen and Wolfsburg won the Frauen Bundesliga yesterday after beating Freiburg like we assumed that they would. Yeah. There was a nice symmetry, wasn't there, to these victories? Because if you look at it, both titles were clinched by the leading scorers and probably the best players of both teams. Yep. And the two dominant forces in both leagues over the past few years, Mm. both claiming another title. Bremen would have hoped for a little bit of help the next day and they didn't get it because Mainz beat Dortmund and then Fortuna came from 2-0 down away at Leipzig to draw 2-2 in the last minute. Yeah, wild. Two massive results. Dortmund were dreadful in the first half and didn't deserve anything out of the game really. It's funny because Mainz had actually beaten Dortmund in a friendly a few months back, Mm. 2-0. So there's an element of like, you can't say it was foreshadowing, but I did actually refer to Mainz on Twitter as a catfish. Um, and the funniest thing was a Mainz fan, bless him, wrote to me, was like, no, this is absolutely it. Like we are a catfish. <laughs> like, so it was, it was really nice to have that validation from a Mainz fan. And his whole thing was those defeats to Leipzig have kind of distorted the perception of Mainz, I think, mm. to an extent. I mean, they're five points clear yeah. from the relegation playoff spot now with two games to go. Should be okay. Should be. Yeah, you can't say, but it should be okay. I think the bottom three will end up as it is. So Paderborn are already down. Yeah. Bremen are a point behind Fortuna, who are five points behind Mainz. However, there's still Champions League and Europa League spots to go. And you made a very good, before you forget, before I got to jump in while, um, while we're here, you did a really nice tweet about the achievement of Union and staying up. Yeah, Union was safe. Can we actually talk about what a huge deal that is very quickly? Yeah, I mean, they beat Paderborn 1-0 at home on Tuesday and... It was a massive achievement for the club to get into the Bundesliga in the first place. Yeah. This isn't a rich club comparatively to some of the other sides in, in the Bundesliga Spy. To stay up for a start, but to stay up with a couple of games to spare and potentially stay up comfortably, they're level on points with Hertha. It's an incredible achievement. Currently. And they lost the first game, I think, 4-0 to Leipzig. And after that point, we yeah, were like, oh, home, yeah. long season. What I will say about Union is, I would say almost the manner in which they survived was so fitting, like an own goal from a Paderborn player, because it's like they maximised all their resources. They got every last bit out of that squad. They hit you on the break. They defended well. They were good at set pieces and they basically squeezed every last drop. I just hope that this staying up gets them on the radar of other players that want to take a chance, build a career there, because they just need more goals. I, I would love them to get an ambitious striker just the balls to that forward line, because that's the one area where I feel that they kind of struggled this year. Some, you know, a place to create chances. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, Berlin is a, Berlin is a great city and Union are a great club. Yeah. And you, and the thing that's really great, I think is that hopefully we'll get two Berlin derbies next season with crowds because the Berlin derby in the Olympic stadium was obviously a ghost game. But also that you have two clubs on different sides of the cities with very, very different personalities. And that's really interesting, I think. Very much so. But yeah, back to the other games quickly. Gladbach beat Wolfsburg 3-0. Leverkusen also beat Cologne 3-1, which means that it's kind of as you are for the fourth, fifth spot, or the last Champions League spot. There's a point between Gladbach and Leverkusen for that final Champions League spot. And the final two games are going to be very, very, very fun because Leverkusen go to Hertha on Saturday and the following Saturday, Leverkusen play Mainz at home. Whereas Gladbach have Hertha at home on the last day of the season 
and they go to Paderborn this weekend. It's too close to call, man. I just about fancy Gladbach still, but not by much. Just about fancy them, but not by much. So it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough it's, one it's, to call. Do you know what it is? It's because, look, Wolfsburg are not really mugged defensively. So you take three goals off them, you're doing pretty well at this stage of the season. Mm. You know, defensively, they've been tough to break down. And it comes down in the end. At the end of the season, it always comes down to a shootout. It always mm. comes down. That's why Fortuna actually can be quite confident going into the playoffs because Fortuna have found scoring form since the restart in quite an yeah. impressive way. You know what I mean? Shout out to Leipzig who scored two beauties against Fortuna. Kevin Campbell yeah. got a beauty from distance and then Werner got a nice one too. Werner has just been signed. It's officially been announced by Chelsea. Slightly weird piece of work on the local sort of, on the sort of, the social yeah, media that was counts. really weird. So Chelsea, Chelsea announced it on their Twitter and then Leipzig responded with a video of Timo Werner saying, announce Werner. Super weird. And then a follow-up tweet playing it that was a bit of a joke being like, oh no, wait, what? Did they use that one for their, when they first saw, no signed idea. him? Did they use it when they first signed Timo mm. Werner themselves? No idea. Not sure. Yeah, weird, weird. Yeah, he's a great signing for them. He's a great signing for Chelsea. He is. But fit. Chelsea haven't got a great track record of signing strikers that really work out though recently have they you think about it Abraham came through the, the academy Giroud is very much playing his role Higuain didn't work out Morata didn't work out Costa good for a season but ultimately didn't really work out Werner's different to all of those though Werner's different to all of those I know I know, I know what you mean I completely get the reservations Diego Costa okay injury did for him Higuain Injury was a problem. Like he was affected by that, you know, couldn't be at his fault, at his best. Giroud, very, very good at leading the line, but in a very specific context and didn't quite have the setup to make him thrive and was never mm. good. Giroud's not going to give you volume goal scoring. He's almost like Giroud's like Drogba in his first season at Chelsea. He's the guy that creates the runs for others. And Tammy Abraham, wonderful player, but probably needs to be a deputy for two years to an elite striker in order to like ease himself in. So, he had a great start to the season though he, Tammy Abraham he did um, but, Abs- absolutely. but I mean term, I'm, I'm talking more in terms of like signing specifically because you could even go back as far as Pato Falcao Torres Shevchenko so actually weirdly Chelsea have had not an amazing track record with signing I, elite strikers I agree in the but, last decade but all those players had flaws that were readily identifiable whereas Werner oh I don't know man I think when Shevchenko signed for Chelsea there weren't many flaws that you could highlight Shevchenko's stock when he signed for Chelsea and Fernando Torres's stock when he signed for Chelsea. But the injuries, I think it was higher than Werner. But, no, but, but there was, it was stock, but it was the injuries, Ryan. Do you know what it was? That's all I'll say. That, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I t- didn't I say that? Because, you know, when Torres gets injured in the World Cup final, 2010, he gets stretched off and he was in agony and it later comes out that he basically forced himself into the World Cup just to be available and mm. ev- all the medics were like, that destroyed him. And Shevchenko had been playing at that tempo since the age of 18. And they were like, his fitness destroyed, no, it destroyed him. And actually Mourinho didn't want him. And it was kind of forced through by Abramovich. So don't get me wrong, those players, their stock was incredibly high, but some very smart people in the medical staff were like, we're probably not going to miss. Like, don't Do forget- you think this is more aligned with the Murata signing? This one, the Werner one. I think that's a better analogy. Yeah, I think Murata- um, look, I love, I love Werner, but I worry slightly about, it's kind of like a crossover of Matteo Kesman and Morata. Like, will he have the confidence? Will he get off to the right start? Because if he goes without goals, will the kind of space that he thrives in be available in the Premier League? I, I just worry about him. Like, I, I want this to work. 
and he's an excellent player. But it's, yeah, it's, it's like Matteo Kesman to me. It's that whole can score goals if he gets in a streak, gets confidence. I think the thing that will help Werner is that he is a better playmaker and a better forward than either Morata or Kesman were. So even when he's not scoring, he will create scoring opportunity for people running off him. And he's very good at part of a fluid attack. That I think will stand him in very good stead. I think he could play with Abraham. That's, I yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that will help him. But he played with Paulson and worked really well as a two. He's teamed up really well with Patrick Schick. Yeah. With a bigger guy next to him. It's a Griezmann thing. It's like a Griezmann thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, well, that's yeah. a nice segue, actually. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it's not a nice segue because beforehand, Wolfsburg Frauen won their fourth straight Frauen Bundesliga. Wow. It was a real shame there was no one there. Yeah. And um, both... Bayern and Wolfsburg will be strengthening big in the scary, summer. Scary, um, scary hours, and, as Drake would say. Yeah, and we will have some more stuff coming up on the site about the Frauen Bundesliga soon. So yeah, keep keep checking for that. Before we move on from Germany completely, Schalke lost to Eintracht. Schalke haven't won a game in all competitions in thirteen matches now. It's 13. The worst. Well, it was actually the last weekend. We forgot to mention it passed their club record winless run, and it was extended against Eintracht who have kind of steadied the ship a bit Eintracht were on a real wob- wobble and were dropping and were only I think one or two places above the relegation spots at one point yeah um, Adi Hurt has steadied the ship a little bit there yeah and it looks like Kamada's gone mainstream yes he has he's been discovered <laughs> yeah Marcel Sabitzer 2.0 yes <laughs> underrated but kind of those who know rated. yeah yeah he's like the Orteca He's the Ortec yeah. of forwards. I hope he stays though. I hope he doesn't like, you know. They've always got interesting we'll pieces, Eintracht, don't they? They've got interesting pieces. Mm. I mean, not, not many of the signings that left, well, none of the signings I'd say that left this season have, I mean, it's a bit hard to tell because obviously of the Corona break, but even before the Corona break, I don't think anyone really, really has yeah, taken Yeah, but both off. of those signings jumped. Like, both, yeah, but they jumped into combine harvester. You go to yeah, even Aller at West Ham, like Aller, Rebic yeah, but and Jovic. But these are not clubs where you land. They're not clubs where you land. I mean, look, let's let, not to be harsh, sorry, but you go to Milan, it's not a place you make a clean transition. Rebic going to Napoli, oh my God, imagine that. Rebic and Napoli, that's another level. Haller going to Arsenal, potentially. You know, you can see that working. You can see that not, you can see that fitting around a player like Haller. I admire your optimism, Musa, around Arsenal. There's a lot of Arsenal optimism. You try and cheer me up. Yeah, and then Jovic, well, just being real, and then Jovic going to Madrid. I mean, not being funny, but when has a young striker ever going to Madrid immediately prospered? Mm. Immediately. Like, it's just not a thing. That club is just like, (sighs) going to Madrid is like, it's like turning up at like a Four Seasons hotel and there's no valet parking, and there's no obvious entrance. You've got to find your way in, find your way to your room, settle in. It's like that. It's like, oh my God, this luxury building, great. And you're like, oh, there's no, there's no obvious entrance. That's Madrid. And of course, Jovic was going to struggle. Like, I love him, but it is what it is. We're right? record- well, speaking of Madrid, we're recording this ahead of Madrid-Valencia. Okay. Um, which will be a good game. Barcelona beat Leganes 2-0. Um, Anzu Fati. Fati looked great. Anzu Fati's goal was... Oh no, Griezmann's goal was disallowed for offside. Yeah. Messi penalty, but Anzu Fati's goal was brilliant. It was wonderful. He was just very good all round. He was very good all round. Yeah, really good. Um, Atletico Madrid have obviously been listening to the podcast because they scored five away at Osasuna. Oh, here's something interesting. Okay, I have to say this. Joao Felix. Oh, is, he looked good. He is... 
Do you know what? He makes everything work in that team. He makes every him and Marco Lorente are unbelievable in the way they make that team work and the way they get so t- the thing I love about them, you look at like uh Joao Felix and he kind of occupies the role that Ian Wright occupied for George Graham's Arsenal. You know, and you've got those banks of four and you've got one player who basically like go out like Hulk smash. And I'm so interested. The re- the thing I'm most intrigued by at Letty beyond the fact that Joao Felix is absolutely crucial to their Champions League hopes, as I warned that poor Liverpool fan on Twitter before the second leg, Joao Felix is absolutely vital to Champions League hopes. I, I think with him fit, they're my favourite win the entire thing. I think they're that dangerous with him there. But also I'm fascinated most by the dynamic between him and Diego Costa because I'm, I think they hang out with each other and I think that they walk into places and they're like, oh, What's a nice boy like that doing with a guy like that? But I think actually- Costa's changed, man. No, I don't know. No, no. I, I say, I, no, he has. You know why? You know what the, the big tell was? What's that? He squared it for him. Yeah, but I think what's happened, I think it's happened. I think they're like, I think they body snatched each other. I think Joao Felix is merging into Costa and Costa's mostly into Felix. I, I think Costa's becoming a nice guy in his old age, but Felix is like, he's a bit nasty. It's like Michael in The Wire. You know how Michael transitions from this nice boy into like, yeah. by then he's a stick up kid. That's like Joao Felix. It's like Michael Lee. Joao ain't Joao no more. He's not. Yeah, Joao's like, Joao ain't Joao no more. <laughs> exactly. The, the kids in the playground at Benfica. Oh, is Joao coming out? And Joao's like wearing a bandana. Over his- <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's skip forward to the Coppa Italia. Wow. Napoli beat Juve 4-2 on penalties. This was a good game. Gattuso has won a trophy for Napoli. Uh, their first trophy in six years. Yeah. I forgot to mention in Monday's episode that Dries Mertens became Napoli's all-time goal scorer on the weekend. Amazing. In the semi-final second leg, passing Marek Hamzik. And I'm just really chuffed for Napoli. I'm really chuffed for Gattuso actually because when he came in everyone was a little bit like, really? Yeah. Go to Vancelotti and you bring in Gattuso. But Do you know fair what? play. I, lo- I love, I lo- I'm so happy for Gattuso. And I'm also so happy for Lorenzo Antigne because yeah. he's 29 and he was, you know, he's a Napoli boy. He was there as a kind of like bright new hope. And he's kind of achieved his potential in a funny way. Like, I mean, he could have done more, but fundamentally, I mean, what? He's won like two Coppa Italias and he's played for his national side a bit. You know, he's had a good career. Like he hasn't, um, if he's he were to, Arsenal for years. And he hasn't flopped. Like, you know what I mean, he's, he's actually like, he hasn't flopped. He's been in a Napoli team that's been competitive and Juve just have just more resources, but he mm. can be really proud. And just to see him win and his penalty again was beautiful in the shootouts. Mm. I mean, just squared up Buffon and put it in the bottom right. And I thought, I, lo- I just love seeing a local, a local hero achieve their potential. Yeah. Love Buffon, who had made some unbelievable saves in the game. That one in the last minute. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out Kirsten Slavitz, who is one of the, uh, well, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of Unusual Efforts. Yeah. She's actually writing a book about Napoli. Mm. And she will be very, very happy this morning. Yes. Shout out to Kirsten. Shout out to all the Napoli fans. Well done. It's always a good good one for to get one over the old lady do you know it was amazing watching them celebrate like how much it meant that was really beautiful oh, it totally meant watching yeah, zero like, so zero social distancing watching no yeah, watching Wolfsburg and um napoli celebrate was just so beautiful because you're like my god like they're behind closed doors but it means just as much it means mm. which you wouldn't you know it sounds silly you know because we're not we're not competitive athletes we're not professional athletes so yeah just 
I thought maybe like with the absence of the atmosphere, it might diminish the, the meaning of it, but they were so, so overjoyed. But while we're doing shout outs as well, one other thing to mention quickly, this is a bit of a diversion, but shout out to at Grace on Football, who's just launched a football newsletter. Uh, oh, nice. Where we love Grace's work. And this is just great. I just signed up to it before the podcast started. I saw the advert this morning. She put out the tweet she put out. Um, yeah, like Grace, one of the best analysts doing it. Check out that newsletter at Grace on Football on Twitter. Really fantastic. The address for it is uh, graceonfootball.substack.com. Yes, absolutely. Great stuff. Good follow, Grace, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's quickly talk about the news that European football will be returning. Oh, my God, yes. So the Champions League, the Women's Champions League and the Europa League will all return in August. The remaining fixtures will be played at venues yet to be decided. But then the tournaments will be played. The rest of the, so the quarterfinals onwards, right? Yeah. Will be played at the Women's Champions League. Oh my God, this is amazing. In Bilbao and San Sebastian. Dude, the food. Who at UEFA has been listening to this podcast? Because I, right, Musa bigged up Lisbon. Yeah. So the Champions League is going to Lisbon. (laughs) The Women's Champions League is going to San Sebastian, which is one of my favorite cities in Spain and Bilbao. So they're they're splitting the tires, but I think the final will be in San Sebastian. The food in that region of Spain is absolutely unbelievable. Like the Basque country is wow. Someone's listening to Stadio. Do you know who I think it is? I'm going to shame you. Is it Laura James? Laura, is that you? Are you leaking this to UEFA? If it is, I'm very grateful. And if you are Can leaking... Can we have to, some tickets? Yeah, exactly. Sort us out. Give it Stadio to the end of the season. Yeah, we want to be official <laughs> UEFA you Champions League sponsors. No, 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 no. no. Observe, you observers. You know, they've got those, you, know they've got to, like, you know those people that observe tournaments? We need to be like... Can we just go in and tell them everything they're doing wrong? <laughs> Put us on the technical committee. <laughs> oh my God. Go and work with Arsene. Oh, he's at FIFA, isn't he? Yeah. He'd be our boss. So yeah, Women's Champions League will be held in Bilbao and San Sebastian between the 21st and 30th of August and the final will be in San Sebastian on the 30th of August. <laughs> so perfect. If we can travel by then, we Dude, have to we go. We have to go. That's so perfect. That is wild. We have to go. Um, the Europa League schedule will be played in Germany. It will resume on 10th of August. The last 16 games will be played before that. And the Champions League will be from the 12th of August, the quarterfinals. And they will be played all the way through to the 23rd in Lisbon. It's actually amazing. I prefer it's like basketball at like the final four, isn't it? It's actually amazing. Can you imagine if they do this in future? They just have like the elite eight and they just have one city and they just go No, no, in. no, no, no. They no, go no, in. No, they go no, in. No, no. I love because it. Then you, because then you, you lose out from seeing your team at home in a... Why does no one give a shit about the fan, fans anymore? Fans, true. I was just getting, on. I was getting carried away. I just got carried away. At Okwonga, if you want to go and tell no, me your thoughts don't, on that don't, one. Don't come to my Twitter. I've got enough heat on me already. I've got enough heat go, already. Oh. Give him your feedback. Go and, and vote. Just sit there, go and vote. Tapping my fingers together like Monty Burns. <laughs> Moves the Haints fans, does he? <laughs> Don't come for me. Don't come for me. Do you know what? That's really, that is the first time you've broken rank. We always said they'd come for us, but I never knew. It would be me that, <laughs> me that would cause the uprising. Listen, it'd be your own people. It'd be your own Rebellion. people. Rebellion. <laughs> Rebellion. <laughs> Take back no. control. Now the rigger thing's done. I'm rebelling. <laughs> rebelling from the inside. 
Rilo Ren, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I see what you mean, though. And in all seriousness, this kind of final eight tournament is super fun, and obviously, it's something that has to go on at the moment. But just as a one-off, yeah, yeah. as a one-off, yeah, it can't. Yeah. To be honest, I do like it how it is. I do yeah, like Champions League semi-final at home when you're one-nil down from the first leg, or you you're two-one down, you've got an away goal, and then you know you can't get you can't yeah you can't get rid of that. I saw I think Kevin Williams tweeted. Oh, now they make it one leg. Like Barcelona fan. Uh, yeah, Barcelona fan. <laughs> now they make it because Barcelona hate second legs. It's like, oh no, no, here we go. Oh, Kev's amazing. He is. He's hilarious. Um, I think that's everything, right? We covered everything. I think we Sorry, have. it's been a bit game heavy this week, this episode. Well, actual football. <laughs> actual football's yeah. back. So now we actually have to cover the football. We do indeed. I am already getting a little bit overwhelmed by how much football there is. Oh, have we already had the break? The uh, British Podcast Awards? Has it been and gone? The podcast, the actual awards? Yeah. No, no, they haven't. Uh, BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Go and vote. Go and search for Stadio. Yeah. Even after we move to the ringer, the, the feed will, our current feed will still be there, which means we technically still qualify for it. So you can always vote. Yeah, yeah. Go and vote. That's good. That's all for me. Oh, well, all right. We'll see you later then. I'll, I'll carry the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Centre midfielder energy over here. <laughs> Pass never striker over there. Exactly. <laughs> Hope everyone's staying safe and well. And again, thanks for all the positive responses to the Ringer news. Uh, we'll be back on Monday on the Ringer FC feed for the first time. So we may have to do a little bit of an introduction to who we are yep, yep. a bit more. But until then, at Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, Stadio.Football is our website yeah. or you can check the ringer.com forward slash soccer yeah. and you'll see a load more Stadio nonsense on there. Yeah. And can I say um, as well, before I forget, please keep spreading the word about Stadio because it really helps to grow the podcast. <laughs> I hate you so much. I should have put into the deal that I would never work with you ever again. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Ryan. It's always a pleasure. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure, mate. I'm proud to do this with you. You know that. Thanks for having me, Musa. I'm emotional. Oh, God. Right, let's go. Uh, we're playing out on this episode with 52nd Street, Cool as Ice. And we will be back on Monday. I think that's it. See you there. Have a great weekend.
no, no. 